around the world, the Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to the Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to the Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here today, and we'd like to take the opportunity to welcome each of you to this edition of the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. We welcome you this 11th day of January, 2021. I trust and I pray that the grace of God is already abounding in your life, and the Holy Ghost is touching you, encouraging you, inspiring you to run the race, and without a doubt, finish with joy. That was the words of the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 22. He said, Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bond and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the grace, the gospel of God. I want to emphasize, Paul said that he might finish with joy. Joy. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalms 16:11 in thy presence is fullness of joy. Joy is something that comes from God. People say, "Well, I'm happy." Happiness comes from particular happenings. Certain happenings make people happy. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. Actually, one of the Greek words there for wine is glucose. Glucose is, when you read wine in the New Testament, the Greek word is glucose, and uh, wine is symbolic of joy. I'm not talking about inebriated joy. I'm talking about spiritual joy, peace, and placidity in the Lord Jesus Christ. As I was in prayer this morning, there is something that's been heavily on my heart for weeks and I can't get away from the phrase, phraseology in the scriptures. And I want to read today from Genesis chapter 18. I want you to listen to the word of God as Elohim, through the incarnate Christ, talks to Abraham. Now this is a manifestation of Jesus. No man has ever seen God. No man will ever see God. But when you see God, what you see is a manifestation through Jesus Christ. Jesus, John 1 and 18 says, came from the Father's bosom. There is a triune God. I know some of you have been taught, no, there's not, but yes, there is. 1 John 5 and 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Jesus is an expression of God, but that's not all of God. That's a portion, a part of God. Even when Jesus was on the earth, he was limited to a state and place and time. But as I was praying this morning, I was reminded of the verse in Matthew 28, 18, lo, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus has all the power. He has, he has the resources at his hand to do whatever he wants to do. And that's why I want to share this passage today before I get into the teaching. I want you to listen to the word of God Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 16, and the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord, this would be Jesus, said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, 
and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord, or Jesus, said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, and Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place? For the fifty righteous that are therein, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. That is the verse that has permeated my mind, my heart, my soul, and my spirit daily for weeks now. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord, Jesus said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Now that is a very profound statement. What God was telling Abraham, if I can find fifty righteous people anywhere, anywhere in the city, I will spare both Sodom and Gomorrah. All God needed was 50 righteous. And Abraham, the man of great compassion, answered and said, Behold, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the 50 righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak, Peradventure there shall 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Just ten. God says to Abraham, if I can find ten righteous souls, if I can find but ten in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will not destroy it. Now, there may be some of you listening and watching today, and you question, how in the world, how in the world do you know that the Lord there is talking, that that's Jesus, that Abraham's talking to? Well, the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad because previously God promises Abraham and Sarah, a child. He was happy. He was rejoicing. 
Then said the Jews unto him, Jesus, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and thou hast seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus came down, manifest in flesh, and he spoke to Abraham. He he witnessed, he saw God through Jesus the Lord's Christ, and thereby he was negotiating with God about what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God in his sovereignty was gracious and merciful. And he went from 50 all the way down to 10. If he could find just 10 righteous people, he would save the entire place. But he couldn't find it. But this is the passage of Scripture that has really touched my heart for quite some time. Verse 25 in Genesis 18. That be far from thee to do after this matter manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Then he questions, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Let me tell you something. God is going to do what's right. It may not appear to be right in your eyes. It may not appear to be right in my eyes, but it's going to be right because God is a righteous judge. And I want to pray today. I want to pray for our nation. I've had a lot of people ask me to put together a symbol of prayer, put it on the website. I've been so busy. People calling me, phoning me, people troubled, people perplexed. I've got people calling me because their wife or their husband is terribly diseased with cancer. They're dying so many so many things that are going on and and I take this calling on my life so seriously there's there's nothing that I don't take serious about the ministry I pray for people I pray with for your emails I pray for your letters I pray for your phone calls I pray when you call me and I return your call on the phone I do this it's it's not a vocation. It's not a business. It's not a job. It's a ministry. Now, I know most ministries don't do that. You can't even get a hold of any mega minister. He's too, he's too busy. Well, let me tell you, when you're too busy, Jesus had the greatest ministry of all, but he always took time for people, did he not? I said, did he not take time for people? Sometimes it takes me four or five days to return a phone call, but I do it because it's the right thing to do. I have people who will email me 15 times a month. And finally, I kind of got tired of a guy the other day, and I said in my last email back to him, I said, how do you support the voice of evangelism? He never responded again, but he wants me to answer question after question after question. I'm not being ugly. That guy's a time bandit. He steals my time. He takes my time from for the righteous. He takes my time from the needy. He takes my time from the destitute and the desolate and the broken and the downtrodden because he wants to ask me prophetic things and explain things to him. All they see is themselves. They don't see a church. They don't see a body. They don't see a, 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 a mass number of people. It's just them. And they, they don't support. But I try to be a nice guy, and I try to reach back and respond. But sometimes enough is enough because I want to respond to the true church, the body of Christ, who are not just using me for what they can get. I want people to phone me and call me and write me and email me and pray with them. I had a man call me just the other day weeping profusely. The wife had three CAT scans. He's telling me the whole story. He's crying. He's weeping. She's 76. He's 78. But she had a pinhole in her colon. She became so septic, the, the refuse got into her body. But we prayed. 
And in 24 hours, God gave her a miraculous turnaround. Yes, they did surgery. That She's going to have to wear a bag, a colostomy, all of those things. But God turned the thing around because they said in 20 minutes, we would have lost her. 20 minutes. They kept seeing a dark shadow, a dark cloud in the colon. And after the third CAT scan said, we, we got to do surgery now. And, and the brother called me. And we prayed on the phone. He cried like a baby. And then I have people who castigate me and lambast me because I don't respond like they want me to respond. I deal with life and death situations every day. No, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I'm not an MD. I'm not an oncologist. I'm none of those things. I'm just a preacher. But I have compassion on people. I ask God, anoint me to preach with the greatest conviction that will make men squirm like a worm in a fire. But season the preaching with compassion that they will know there is great, great, great love from God because God does care. I want to take the time today to pray before we go any further. Father, as I come before your august throne today, I come humbly because I am but a creature and you are the creator. And Lord, I can't get away from the words of the man of God that you brought into covenant with you. Abraham didn't know you. You brought him to covenant with you. Just like all of us, we don't know you. You know us. But in your mercy and your grace, you redeem us, you save us, you forgive us, and you bring us into a relationship with you. Man is alienated and ostracized from you, Father. But through your son, Jesus, you bring us into a divine relationship. Father, like Abraham, be it far from thee to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked. Father, I humbly pray for a divine house cleaning in this nation. We are evil. We are vile, we are corrupt as hell itself. Liars and cheaters and stealers and adulterers and fornicators and sodomites and drunkards and drug addicts, we, we, we pedophiles, we, we are such an evil people, oh God. But there is a remnant of righteous souls in this nation. And for the righteous sake, I ask that you would bring judgment on America. I ask you would start at the top and you would bring down every vile institution that claims to be justice and claims to be righteous and claims to do the right thing, oh God. Father, we're at a place and state of grave danger and peril, and I know it in my spirit. This is a very dangerous hour, very dangerous time. And if we get what we deserve, we'll be massacred and slaughtered by the judgment of God. But God, protect the righteous. Father, protect the righteous. Cover us. Be our refuge, our pavilion, our high tower, I pray, out son of David. And Father, I ask for the forgiveness of our sins. I ask that you'd cleanse us in thy precious blood and make our robes white in thy blood that was shed at Calvary. Father, I ask you to touch every home, every family, every godly person, those who honor you, fear you, and do righteousness. Peter said, you accept. No, they may not be theologically sound and correct in all that they do, but they fear you. And they do their very best to do the right thing. And you said you would accept them. Help us to do the right thing. Touch our consciences to be so convicted that, God, we must do that which is right, that we can find mercy and grace in the hour of the day of judgment. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my short. Cummings, forgive me of my downfalling. Forgive me of all of my sin, O oh God. 
I'm not talking about an error. I'm talking about a sin, a transgression that grieves the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God. Touch this nation. Put a blanket over the civil unrest. God, you can put it at bay. You can stop it. Lord, I know that there will be multitudes, multitudes lost, multitudes lost, O oh God, multitudes lost if you do not intervene. Now, God, I pray today the saving grace and the knowledge of your Son, Jesus, to help us and to strengthen us. Keep us in the hollow of thy hand, and I'll give you the honor, the praise, and the glory, for it's in the beloved name of your Son, Jesus, we humbly pray. Amen and amen. All we can do, folks, is trust God. Be patient and be still and let God help us. Give God place to help us in our lives. Before I get back into the teaching today, I want to play a beautiful song by the Isaacs entitled, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. In spite of the adversity, in spite of the evil that's in the land, thank God Jesus holds tomorrow in his hand. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry or the future for I know him for he knows what is a
Aren't you glad who holds tomorrow? Certainly Jesus holds tomorrow in his hand. He certainly is in control of everything. As I said in prayer this morning, the scripture just kept going through my mind. Surely you will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. I believe that with all of my heart. I want to go back today. I want to pick up in verses 7 and 8 here in our scripture text of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 because I'm trying to give you a thorough understanding of how these things are going to unfold, how they're going to be revealed. God in his sovereignty, God in his sovereignty gives us the word, the word of God, the word of the Lord, so that each and every one of us can grasp and fathom what God is doing and how events are going to unfold sequentially. There's a lot of hyperbole out there, as I share with you through this series about the pre-tribulation rapture, this and this and that and that and that, and just all sorts of convoluted, twisted biblical interpretation. I'm going to say this again. If the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled, where is the resurrection of the righteous dead? Where's this new Jerusalem? I, now, I've had some really great Bible prophecy teachers and great Bible scholars. They will tell you things like, well, New Jerusalem is not a literal city. New Jerusalem is all spiritual. Okay, explain to me then Hebrews 13 and verse 14. For here, this earth as we know it, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. The Bible says that Abraham was looking for a city which hath foundations. How many foundations are there in the city of Jerusalem? There are 12. City which hath foundations. Hebrews 11, verse 10, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This is why I keep saying you've got to answer all these other Bible verses and questions. You just can't spew out hyperbole. And this is what so many people are doing. And until people can give me the verses to authenticate, to back up what they're saying, I'm not going to believe what you're trying to get me to believe. I'm sorry. But I've got Bible. There's two verses right there. Two verses in Hebrews. You answer those verses honestly. But then I'm not going to name the brother. He's dead. He's gone now. But he said, I just believe that's all spiritual. So Abraham was looking for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. It's a continuing city. Here we have no continuing city, meaning it is an eternal city. Yet they won't answer me when I say, answer these other verses that support the, the doctrine that New Jerusalem is a literal physical city. There's no need for light in it. The Lamb of God is the light. But see, they won't answer you because they can't. You, you, when you have Bible, you can't answer your fallacies because the Bible reproves, it corrects, it instructs in righteousness. It reproves, it rebukes, it corrects, and it instructs. And so I have people who listen to this program and all they want to do most of the time is argue. But then when I give them passages of Bible to make that work with their purported doctrine, they can't answer me. One guy says, pin the tail on the donkey. That's real theology, brother. That's real theology. Pin the tail on the donkey. 
sad. I didn't know we were playing games. <laughs> That's your problem. You have a blindfold on, and you can't pin the tail on the donkey because you got a blindfold on. But then when I ask, simply answer Hebrews 11 and 10. I'm not asking for any, any profundity. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then I go to Hebrews chapter 13, and I share there from verse 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Reconcile those verses for me. Well, you can't. But you still want me to believe your hyperbole. I'm not going to do it. Those of you who listen to this program know I am pretty rooted and grounded in the Word of God. That's, that's, that's the voice of evangelism. It's preaching an uncompromising message. You see, when you start twisting the Scriptures, you start compromising. And let me tell you something about compromise. Whatever you compromise to acquire, to gain, or to come to a solution or mentally in your mind, you lose it. You see, when I take all of these Bible verses, line upon line, precept upon precept, I can't make their false doctrine work. And that's because I know what the Bible says about that subject matter. Be careful. You're going to be deceived. Now, you'll lambast me and say, oh, he's, I'm Pastor Langford. He's the one that's deceived. Did you know Albert Einstein studied the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation? Are you an Einstein? Now, I'm not saying just because he was an absolute unfathomable genius, he had it all right, but I'll tell you what. God can take a simple man that's far from an Einstein and give him revelation that, 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 that men cannot contend and strive with. I'm not throwing out a hypothesis here. I'm saying reconcile Hebrews 11 and 10 and Hebrews 13 and 14. But, but, but they can't do it. So, well, just take my word. <laughs> no, I'm going to take God's word. And then you make your ideology. And that's what it is. It's ideology. The Bible is not a book of ideology. The church of God put that in their practical commitments 35 years ago, and I raised Cain when I was still in the denomination. I said, how dare you put the word ideology in practical commitments? God, his word is not a book of ideology. It is the infallible, immutable word of God. It's not an idea. It's just not some flippant idea off a man's head. It is God. Remember, the word of God is God. But we read it like a newspaper and take away the deity and the majesty, thus the validity and veracity and truthfulness of what God has said. Grave danger. All right. As I said, we want to pick up today in verses 7 and 8, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. We shared last Tuesday that that he there is Michael the archangel. It is not the rapture of the church, though some will tell you that. It's not the Holy Ghost, though some will tell you that. They have all sorts of ideologies, but remember, I shared with you Daniel 10, 21, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. That was verse 6, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6. And now ye know what withholdeth. Same identical phrase. 
Who did Gabriel say was holding back? The prince. While well, he gave Daniel the answer. Michael, the prince of Persia, the demon of Persia, the principality, the power of that particular area, was fighting Gabriel. Gabriel prays for help. He gets to Daniel. Now remember this. Daniel 10, 21, but I will show thee that which is noted. See, it was already noted. It was already recorded. Psalms 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There are volumes. There are books, magnitudes. But the scriptures were already there. They just came as far as New Testament at a later dispensation. But now catch this phrase. In Daniel 10, 21, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. There is none that holdeth with me. Second Thessalonians 2, 6, and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So that proves biblically, scripturally, it is Michael that's withholding, it's restraining. But now you'll hear all sorts of other ideologies, but they won't give you any Bible because they can't. I'm giving you Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. I'm trying to lay it out succinctly, sequentially, so that, that you can see the sequence of the events. It takes Michael an archangel, to keep holding this from being manifest. And once it's manifest, this is known as the Great Tribulation. All of you yahoos out there who are saying we're in Great Tribulation, back in April, we're going to lose the Internet. We're going to lose the power. Folks, this is January. It hasn't happened yet. Quit listening to these jacklegs. Quit listening to fear mongers. They're in bed with the media, and they don't see it. They can't discern they're in bed with the media. They're doing the same identical things as the media is doing, yet they do it under the auspices, we're Christians. I'm like the old boy that said, I know some things. I know some things, too. These people, as far as I'm concerned, are not Christians. They don't live right. If you knew how they lived outside of the microphone or the video camera, you need to pray for discernment. You, 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 they, they write books and do DVDs to make money. It's all about money, honey. Had a guy the other day said, I'm going to send you 20 pieces of silver for the ministry, 20 pieces of silver for you personally. I wrote him back. I said, I cannot in good conscience take it. I'm not a hireling. Don't send it. I'm the, I'm the only ministry that I know that has sent people their money and their checks and tell them don't send money. You're not going to buy me. No, sir. I'm not a Judas. You're the Judas when you offer me money. See, you, you find fault in me, you criticize me, and castigate me because I don't do what you want me to do. Then you say you're going to send a, don't send me no money. I've sent more checks, more money orders back to people. And just like this guy, don't send it. Don't send it. I'm not a hireling. I'm not for sale. You, you Don't bring me down to a Judas. I'm not a Judas Iscariot. Okay. And right now that'd be probably what? 40 pieces of silver, rounded it off at uh, just $25 an ounce, $1,000. I don't want you $1,000 because your, your $1,000 is corrupt, sir. You don't lambast me. Then when you see you're at fault, God loves a cheerful giver, not grudge, doesn't give grudgingly or out of necessity. I don't get in bed with people like that. I want to keep my hands clean and my heart pure. See, I know guys, I don't, they don't care what you say, what you do. Just give us your money. They don't care about what's right. 
I'm not going to do that. Now, once Michael the archangel quits restraining the Antichrist, he will be revealed. Had a man call me just the other day. Do you think the revelation of, of the Antichrist has already been made? I said, if it is, I don't know who it is. You see, he's trying to pin the tail on the donkey. They've done this since I can remember. Men have tried to identify the Antichrist and the false prophet. I personally believe that the false prophet is the Pope because Catholics embrace apparitions and things of that nature like no other denomination in the world. And so when Revelation 13 comes to fruition, they're going to make this image. By the way, if the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled, when and where was this statue made? And they gave life unto the statue that it should both kill as many as should not worship it. When, when, did, this, when did this statue made in the image of the first beast, when was it made? When did it speak? When did it talk? When did, it, when did the false prophet give it breath to breathe? That it should both speak and as many as should not worship it should be killed. Again, I'm going to say this. It may irritate some people. You're trying to make Bible prophecy fit your generation. And as I've studied past generations, I was fortunate to be raised by my grandpa who was born in 1900 and my grandma was born in 1905. He told me as a little boy, his job was to get the fire going in the house when he was young, a little boy. His mama would fix 125 biscuits the first thing every morning. That's a lot of biscuits. That's like Bojangles or Hardee's or McDonald's. And, and there were 13 in their family, and that fed breakfast, dinner, and supper. But he was raised with the horses and the wagon and the plow. And, and of course, time evolved. And then you got tractors to plow gardens. Then you got tillers and all of that stuff. But they raised me and taught me all this old stuff, old stuff. But then they thought the, the Social Security number was the mark of the beast. And there was such an outcry, public rage. My God, we, this is the mark of the beast. Okay, so it's been nearly 100 years ago. I'm not going to argue you need that number to open up an account or find out information. It may very well be it, but they put on the little Social Security card because I still have my original card, not for identification purposes, taxes only. But the truth is they lied to us. But everybody tries to make what's happening in their generation fit Bible prophecy. And again, we're getting there. The technology, I saw, I saw a commercial over the weekend, I think it was a Hyundai, and uh, the lady's opening up her car with her phone. She's, uh, I don't know how it works, obviously there's some kind of app, and she just sticks the, because they can't find the keys to the car, so she puts the phone up to the door handle, it unlocks it, obviously it'll allow her now to crank the car, but it's on her phone. And, and, and I'm the guy years ago that made the video about in your right hand is your phone. We're, we're, all, we're acclimating toward this stuff. I'm not, I'm not arguing that this is not happening. But see, my fear is when it actually comes to the point, these fear mongers and purveyors of this stuff will have wore you down and wore you out, just like the Bible says, the Antichrist will seek to wear out the saints. You'll, you'll capitulate, surrender, and give in. Well, it's been here for 20 years, so it can't be the mark of the beast. But they're trying to get us there. Digital currency, all of these things are getting us there. Let me get back to the scriptures. The word revealed, verse 8, Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, the Antichrist has many, many names. One of them is wicked. Then shall that wicked. It should be capitalized in your Bible because that's the identification of the man of sin. 
He's called the man of sin. He's called the son of perdition. There are different names for the Antichrist. Here, the apostle Paul, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, defines, describes him as the wicked. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Now, the word uh, revealed here again means to take off the cover and to disclose. Say what you will. Up to right now, the Antichrist is covered. He's not been yet disclosed. Now, I know there will be those who will say, well, there's no such thing as a literal physical Antichrist. It's a system. It's this. It's that. But it's not a literal man. Okay? I'm going to give you three Bible verses And I'm going to ask you to reconcile them with this idea, because that's what you have is is an idea. You have an idea that that the Antichrist is not a man but a system. See, I hear that too. So let's reconcile this verse. Daniel 7, verse 11. And I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. See, the Antichrist is described as a horn. Notice what it says about this horn. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Notice the Bible says he has a body, like a human body. Then in Revelation chapter 19, at the second advent of Christ, notice what it says in verse 20, and the beast or the Antichrist was taken and with him, notice the personal pronoun him, with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, there's him, the Antichrist, identified twice, personal pronoun him, which did with which he deceived them, he, there's, just, there's the third personal pronoun, he, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his, fourth pronoun, his image, these both were cast alive into a lake burning with fire and brimstone. Notice the last phrase. These both were cast alive. These are men. Okay? They're men. But some will tell you, oh, no, 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 no. It's a system. It's a denomination. It's an organization. The Bible makes it clear. These both were cast alive. If, if, if an organization is, is an organization or a corporation because it has paperwork, those documents can be fried and burned up no time. But the personage, who is the CEO of the corporation, who is the pope of the Catholic Church, it's an entity as far as a person. Then notice Revelation 20 and verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The book of Revelation's already been fulfilled. Why is the devil running loose in the earth? See, he's not seized and captured and put into the bottomless pit until the literal physical second advent of Christ. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Has anybody seen that happen yet? I've not. And I'm going to tell you, the devil is still running to and fro on the earth and walking up and down in it. But we got people out here saying, oh, no, no, that's not right. That's not right. It's all been Fulfilled. Preterism 
is a false doctrine. Now, not only will he be revealed, but he's described as wicked. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Wicked is number 459, Anamos. It means the lawless one. So the Antichrist is going to personify the lawlessness, and we are seeing that explode in America profusely since Barack Hussein Obama. My God, lawlessness has exploded. The Lord gave me one word. Nine years ago, 2012, on a 21-day fast in January, one word's all I got. I know some of you are far more spiritual than I, and you get revelation more often than I, but I got one word, acceleration. Everything would begin to accelerate. My God, it, it, it's, it's, it's off the charts. You can't keep up with the acceleration right now. And then the Supreme Court adjudicated the 14th Amendment, same-sex marriage. It's out of control. Transgenderism. Oh, it, it, this stuff is out of control. And that's why I'm praying for judgment. Again, then shall that wicked be revealed. This is an individual that no one knows who he is, but he's going to be revealed at a point and time in the near future. I may be alive. I may not be alive. But I'm telling you, this is the sequence, this is the synchronicity, this is the validity and the veracity of the word of the Lord. And again, you have to reconcile all the scriptures if you're going to teach Bible prophecy. As I said, I've been criticized, I've been told, New Jerusalem is not a literal city, it's a spiritual one. How do you reconcile the verses in Hebrews 11, 10, Hebrews 13, 14? How do, you, how do you make that work? How do you make Daniel 7 and 11, his body given to the flames? And then there in Revelation 19 and 20, four times the personal pronoun, his, him, he. How do, how do you get around that? See, this tells me people are reading secular humanistic books. They're, they're, not, they're not reading the Word of God. They're reading what some jackleg wrote. I, I, I try my best to never deviate from the Scriptures. This, 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 is the, this is the book. This is the book you need to read. This is the one you need to remember, you need to memorize. This is the one you need to look at it and search and search and search. Study the scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, people will throw all kinds of garbage at me, and then when I give them a Bible verse, I'll say, now, now let's reconcile this. And then you get the smart aleck answer, pen the tail on the donkey. How foolishness. But that's the state of today's church. Now the word wicked here, it, 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 without a doubt, is, is a profound application because it is used as one of the names, as I said, of the Antichrist. Now wicked here has a special meaning to not be subject to the Jewish law. Let me say that again. The word wicked here in the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, chap uh, chapter 2, verse 8, the word wicked here means not subject to Jewish law. That almost leads you to believe he will be a Gentile. Now, remember, where is he going to create what we call the abomination of desolation, standing where it ought not, Jesus said, in the temple. 
then shall be great tribulation. Read it, Matthew 24, 15. Read, start there and read on down to verse 29, Matthew 24. Read those uh, uh, 15 verses, 15 through 29. Read it. Now, when the word wicked here, as I said, means to not be subject to Jewish law. Remember, an Orthodox Jew wants a temple to go back and make daily sacrifices. Antichrist is going to go in the temple, desecrate it, better known as the abomination of desolation, and stops the daily sacrifice. Then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of time, Jesus said. Now, if you believe the book of Revelation's already been fulfilled, we've seen nuclear bombs dropped in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Now, you see, we have an Americanized Christianity. We always, we always try to look at it through the lens of America. America has never seen anything remotely close to that. The uh, Civil War was horrific. 600,000 men died. Over 2 million were injured. We never seen nuclear weapons dropped on this nation. Never. Never. Think about what I'm saying now. So this man is going to cause the world to come into such a state and place of chaos. It begs description. Such as never was, Jesus said. You find it in Matthew 24. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world. The beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. What time? The time when the great tribulation begins. That's what he's talking about. Never been nothing like it. And yet, people will say things like, well, Maybe. Folks, we have got to reconcile all of the scriptures. And you see, the problem is you don't read your Bible thoroughly. And so there are passages that you, you, you don't see, you don't read, you don't know they even exist. There are verses and verses in the Bible people don't even know they exist. And so they say things like, well, New Jerusalem is spiritual. So what am I supposed to do then with the passage that says it's a city which hath foundation? Here we have no continuing city, Paul said, but we look for one to come. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm trying to be pragmatic. I'm trying to be realistic in teaching a pure, unadulterated word from God. That's all. Sometimes that ain't good enough. Excuse my language. English, I should say. Ain't. Sometimes it ain't good enough for people because they've already got a predetermined mind. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to embrace that because I just don't want to believe that. That we are commanded to rightly divide the Word of God. God bless you. Have a great day, a great evening. I'll see you tomorrow at this same time. In the, the Lord Jesus of Christ. Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.